For more than 100 years ago, and probably much longer, hunters have traveled to various parts of Africa in search of the big five trophy animals. Today, however, people traveling on safaris are armed only with a camera and the desire for adventure travel. Is an African safari on your bucket list? Stay with us as we review Mikado Safaris with Bob Schaefer. And as always, folks, if you enjoy this content, please like, subscribe, and turn on all notifications so you get notified each time we post. My guest today is Bob Schaefer, owner of Vacations by Cruise and Travel Experts. Bob is a seasoned world adventurer and luxury travel advisor, having traveled to 75-plus countries and sailed on over 60 cruises. Specializing in custom luxury, multi-destination itineraries, Bob has been serving the needs of his clients across the country since 2006. Hi, Bob. Welcome to RTE Travel Talk. Good day, Ken. It's nice to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you with us, Bob. So, Bob, today we're talking about safaris, and I understand that you've recently returned from one. What prompted you to travel to East Africa on a safari? Well, it's something I've always wanted to do. It was sort of a bucket list trip, but more than a bucket list trip. Uh, I wanted to experience the adventure of getting out in the wild. Before I left home, I uh, bought a book, The Green Hills of Africa, written by Ernest Hemingway. And the uh, safari I was on was essentially the route that Hemingway took in the mid-30s. All right. O only we were traveling with cameras rather than guns. <laughs> Would you consider that a once-in-a-lifetime adventure, Bob? Well, I did in the beginning. In mm -hmm. other words, when I left home, this was to be a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. But I was warned that that's not always the case. And the interesting thing was I'm on an airplane on the way home thinking about, gee, when am I going to go back? It's very easy to get hooked on the experience for a host of reasons, many of which are hard to explain. Right. But... It, it truly is an opportunity to get close to nature in the wild, right on. which is totally unlike a zoo. So tell me, what what exactly was the experience in, in the itinerary? Like, how long were you gone? You know, what was the experience like, Bob? Well, we were, we well, first of all, it was a long flight. It was about 28 hours door Whoa. to door. We arrived in Nairobi for a couple of nights, which I really recommend. You want to get over that long flight, but you also have an opportunity to visit a national park inside the city limits of Nairobi. And okay. you have wild animals roaming free inside that park. And you also have a nursery, if you will, for baby elephants. Elephants who, for one reason or another, have been deserted by their mothers. And these right. In fact, that was one of our first stops on the itinerary was to see how they are feeding these baby elephants with the largest baby bottle you'll ever see. <laughs> and, and from there, we went to the Rothschild Giraffe Rescue Center. Okay. And you've never lived until a, you've had a giraffe eat kibble off of your hand. Uh, it's the longest tongue I have ever seen. Uh, we also, 
enjoyed uh, Nairobi as a metropolitan city, but that's typically the jumping off point for Kenyan safaris. You, you'll spend a day or two in Nairobi. Right. Then we boarded a plane and flew to a national park in the southern part of Kenya, Ambasili, which is right on the Tanzanian border. In, right. in fact, you, the first thing you notice when you get off the single engine plane with 10 other people is there's Kilimanjaro in front of you. Well, the best view of Kilimanjaro is in Kenya, but the mountain itself is actually located across the Tanzanian border. We spent three nights in the park. We made two game drives daily out very early in the morning and typically would not have breakfast until we were back from the morning game drive. And then we would have a, a time to relax and head out in the afternoon. And the reason that would be, say, four o'clock in the afternoon, because that's when the game uh, tend to be more active. We, we had a wonderful time there for three nights in very rustic cabins. The, the lodge itself is probably 100 years old, built out of logs and stone and quite comfortable. The food was excellent. And from there, we flew to the Northwest. And there we spent four days at, at the Fairmont Messiah Lodge. Fairmont doesn't own the lodge. I later learned that it's owned by one of the chieftains of the Maasai tribe. We were in our own individual tents, but we were not roughing it. It had hot and cold running water. It had electricity. The one thing that it didn't have was central heat. So it would be chilly at night. When the sun went down, it got chilly. So I am getting ready for bed the first night. And I feel this warmth in the bed. And it turned out to be a hot water bottle that the staff had put in the bed. It, it was as good as central heat all night. <laughs> However, before I turned out the lights from a tent a few doors down, I heard this loud scream. <laughs> and it was one of the women in our party who thought there was a wild animal in bed when she felt this warmth coming from the middle <laughs> of her bed. It was hilarious. <laughs> she didn't, she'd never heard of such a thing called a hot water bottle. We teased her the rest of the week. <laughs> and each day we were out bright and early, yeah. frequently as early as 6.30. Yeah. Uh, when the animals were just starting to stir. Right. We saw all of the big five except the leopard. Yeah. The leopard is the most elusive of the big five animals. And yeah. that alone is another reason to go back to Africa because yeah. seeing the leopard is unbelievable. But we got to see very close up a white rhino, which actually is not indigenous to Kenya. And I was able to get within probably 30 yards of it. Wow. And it had a few pictures taken and everyone who saw it thought I was nuts. But what they didn't see off camera were a couple rangers who were protecting me, if you will. Right. But, you know, the thrilling moment of that whole experience was 
when we climbed into a hot air balloon and took off across the green hills of western Kenya at dawn. Wow. <clears throat> and we wow. saw the sun coming up in the east. If you looked in the other direction, there was a full moon setting in the west. And it was honestly the most fascinating moment I've ever experienced. We were a thousand feet off the ground. There, it, there was no sound at all, except when there was more hot air yeah. pushed into the balloon. And below us, you saw the animals begin stirring for the day. It was really an opportunity to be one with nature. And that alone is why someone would go on safari. Gosh, Bob, uh, it's, 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 it's almost a religious experience. Well, it, it, you know, I hate to say it, but that's yeah. exactly what it was. It's something I'll never forget. And it sort of cemented the fact that, gee, I've got to do that again because I know it'll be different. Wow, that's ama- that's absolutely amazing. Now, a lot of people, when they think about a safari, think, well, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing and it's probably out of my budget. But they vary in prices, don't they, Bob? Is, you know- well, they do. You, you, can do. you can do a safari for as little as $5,000 for, say, seven days, seven mm-hmm. or eight days. Rather than having the flights between destinations within the country, you'll be driving. Right. But it's much more than just budget. You've really got to understand the provider. So I looked at a half a dozen different suppliers right. before opting for Mikado. Mikado okay. has been in the business for 50 years. Rather than go cheap, say I would recommend you save for such an experience. My question is, uh, how do I save for my next one? Uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, you want to choose. You don't want to go cheap because right. that's exactly what you'll get on the, and you'll miss the opportunities. For example, we're headed back to camp one night just at dark and we went off a trail and into a wooded area where there was this bright light and there were some Maasai warriors there to do some entertainment. We were served dinner out in the wild and they danced around a blazing fire, a war dance from a hundred years ago. And it was a, a, an excellent opportunity to get to know the culture and the people. We, we met with uh, the elder of one of the villages and had his uh, elder in waiting, who was happened to be his son, who would be the next leader of the village. They gave us a really deep dive into the culture. What I appreciated, I was the oldest one in the group. So the existing elder named me a, an honorary elder to his village, primarily <laughs> due to my persistence and my age. And um, among other things I received from him was this symbol of an elder, which is actually a weapon. Right. This, this little ball that you see here would crack anyone's skull wide open if you struck them with it and and yet every time i look at it i remember the conversation with the elder right that's the kind of experience that you'll get by spending a little more on uh, a safari i also recommend to clients when when they're traveling 
they should pick up mementos that will remind them of the trip years later. The very morning after we were with the warriors, I walked through the lodge and I discovered this painting. And this is exactly how the Maasai dress for formal occasions. Okay. Uh, but they, they probably wear blue jeans when they're not entertaining us. <laughs> but this little painting is exactly like they were dressed. And every time I look at it, I remember the time I spent with them and the fact that I'm actually an honorary elder of their village. And those are the, the finer details that you'll, you'll find with an experienced uh, premium or a luxury safari outfitter. And right on. The, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, Condé Nast Traveler has named uh, Mikado the top safari outfitter for the last 10 years in a row. Yeah, and from what you say, it's well-deserved. It was an unforgettable experience, yeah. and I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> it, it was that great. So, so all right. So let's let's deal let's deal with pardon upon the, the eight hundred pound gorilla. You and I are you and I are both not spring chickens. We're not. How, <laughs> how did you get along? Like, is I would say I got along just fine. When you crash land a balloon, you better be bracing yourself, or you're going to get jolted. And yeah. that was one thing to watch out for. Right. When we were at five to six thousand feet, there was a little bit of altitude issues. Yeah. But the biggest issue is you're not most of the time you're not on paved highways. Right. When you're out on a game drive, you are driving overland in a four wheel drive vehicle that bounces. Right. And you can stand up and shoot pictures through the top. We had animals really you had to keep your arms in to stay away from danger. Right. But if you didn't mind the bouncing around and and you'd be okay. So yeah. as as long as as long as you're in generally good health, good good footwear, proper attire, it's, it's good for just about anybody. Well, it is and you know, I tell my clients whether it's a safari or any kind of adventure travel, know your capabilities. You know, and ha and be curious. Yeah. You know, I learned uh, aside from Tanz uh, Mount Kilimanjaro being in Tanzania, I also learned, well, I always thought zebras were white with black stripes, and that's only half true. The males are white with black stripes. The females are white with dark brown stripes. Now, oh, really? that th that's a piece of trivia that, the world can probably live without, but I found it fascinating. <laughs> and the the interaction, we are crossing an area beside a freshwater lake, and you see a herd of elephants uh, crossing the, the, the water. They're, they're knee-deep in water. In the foreground, there are 200 flamingos, and the juxtaposition of the flamingos and the elephants was something that I certainly didn't expect to see there. Right. And I need to add one more comment, and that yeah. is with Mikado, we visited a school that Mikado was responsible for starting. And for every 
person who takes a safari, they educate one Kenyan child all the way through school. That's the kind of people uh, that I want to travel with. For sure. Sure. For yeah. sure. So best time of year for a safari, Bob? I would say virtually any time of year is a good time, except let's say from February through early April. That's the rainy season. Okay. Do you have a recommended length of a safari? I would say at least nine days. Okay. There are safaris that last, I'm aware of, 23 days. Yeah. That's probably a little long. But it would be truly an adventure of a lifetime. I would recommend starting in Kenya. Right. That's where you get your feet wet. Uh, my trip was 11 days. And if I was doing it all over again, I'd probably do 15 to 17 days. You've got to be prepared for a long flight in each direction. But be that as it may, it's a long flight and... Your flight cost to get there and back can be a large part of part of the trip. So if you're going to go there, you may as well stay for, like you said, a minimum of nine days and and longer. You want to leverage the cost of airfare. You exactly. Really do. And, yeah. and honestly, you really need. It takes a good year to to plan such a trip, and you you need to work with an advisor who's been there, who understands the details, can help you get a visa. You'll need a visa for Kenya. And and to work with an outfitter, Mikado has an outfitter store in Connecticut where you can mail order virtually any piece of clothing that you might consider for a safari. Okay. Um, an interesting outfit. And you, you may think, well, gee, I'll only wear this once. And no, you won't. You'll, you'll wear it quite a bit when you get home as well, regardless of where you're living. If you are an outdoors person, you'll wear the clothes that you bought for the safari. So I gather, I gather that you're going to probably look to do a few more of these. For You've got clients that are, that are heading. I have clients who are interested, and I'm uh, looking to put together a private safari just for eight or ten clients. You said eight, eight to ten people in your group. That would have been a small group as opposed well, to? I, I would focus on eight or ten because we'd fit the entire group on one of the small planes for the inter-country. What they'll do is they'll have larger groups with maybe three vehicles with eight people in a vehicle. Right. And that's not quite the same. We had two vehicles, four people in each vehicle, plus the guide who alternated between vehicles. So again, it's... That's a much more personal experience. It was a much more personal experience and well worth saving for right. given the difference between that and a cut rate safari. Right on. There are other excellent companies I would recommend, but Mikado is at the top of my list okay. for people looking for a truly uh, luxurious safari experience. So, Bob, what's your best advice for people that are looking for a safari? Well, start early. Start saving early as well and be open-minded. In other words, understand the country you're visiting. Reading that book by Hemingway, and it was largely based on his diary notes about the safari. 
gave me a much better idea of what I was in for, and it, it generated the excitement. Bob, this has been absolutely wonderful. It's super great information. Is there anything else you might like to add before we wrap up? You know, be open to adventure, whether you're taking a safari or whatever you're doing, know your limits and then push them to those limits and life will be a whole lot more fun. Sounds good. So I always like to ask, uh, we said at the first of the segment that you're a luxury travel advisor and a world adventurer. Where are you off to next? So my next trip is probably to the Far East. Okay. Um, I have a client who wants me to take her family to Japan. We will we'll tour the country. I've been to Japan previously, and I do know my way around a little bit. And and from there, probably we'll fly to Thailand. So it's a it's an extended trip that we're just now beginning to work on. I also am looking to get back to Italy as often as possible. I've been to Italy a dozen or more times, and every time I go, I see something different. It's fabulous. Right. You you won't get an argument there. I'm 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 a, I'm a big fan of Italy. <laughs> a- absolutely. Right. Yep. Well, and this the- has been fun, Ken. I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and your viewers this experience. It, oh, it was. Uh, I keep saying it once in a lifetime, but I'm I'm headed back to Kenya sooner rather than later. It's a pleasure. That trip to the Japan and the Far East sounds like the bee's knees to me. We'll have to have you back to regale us with your adventures in the Far East. That'll sounds- be fun. Yeah. All right. With that, I'm just going to wish you uh, safe and happy travels. May the wind always be at your back. And I hope to see you on a Lido deck real soon. Absolutely. Take care, Thanks Bob. Thanks so much. And that about wraps things up for today, folks. A very special thanks to my guest, Bob Schaefer of Vacations by Cruise and Travel Experts. If you'd like to reach Bob, I'll leave his contact information in the description. If you'd like to reach us, simply send a question to questions at realtravelexperts.com, visit our website, realtravelexperts.com, or simply leave a comment. We always respond. And as always, folks, if you enjoyed this content, please like, subscribe, and ring the bell. It helps us to spread the word and is certainly appreciated. So until next time, happy travels.